0: Hi, everyone. Danny here. Before this episode starts rolling, I just want to remind everyone that I am not a medical professional. I'm just a guy who wants to share his experiences with anxiety and depression and give others a platform to talk about their anxiety and depression. Please, if you need help, call your doctor. They'll be able to help you. Hey everyone, we're back episode two. Um, thanks for listening. More than my mom listened, so that was fantastic. Um, I got tons of messages of people saying thank you for doing this. so I, I guess I'll mess around and do an, do a second episode, you know. Um, so so in terms of my guests, this is kind of a, a cool a cool order because um, this person that's on today, Made a huge difference in in the way that I look at mental health, um, but I'm let's rewind a bit and I'll start a little bit on my story and why this is so important. Um, so, I was uh, about a year and a half into working in sports media. I was at Comcast Sportsnet New England, and I was working maybe two through sometimes three shifts a week, and. And then I was also working at a retirement community at, on the like, for a full-time job. So I was wor- some nights I was work or some days I was working 6 a.m. to 2:30 p.m. at the nursing home retirement community, and then I was working 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. at Comcast SportsNet. Well, it wouldn't make sense to drive all the way back to uh, where we were living. So sometimes I would drive back to the retirement community park in the parking garage and sleep there because I was going to have to be there in a few hours anyway. So it was a grind and, um, and it was taking a huge toll on my mental health. Um, there was no consistency whatsoever. I was just bouncing all over the place and, um, I was kind of questioning, all right, is this, is this the road that I want to keep on for a while? Yes, it is the road that I kept on for a while. I did that for another like two years, spoiler alert, um, before I got full time at, at CSN. But so in, in two thousand twelve I was going through all this craziness and um one of my one of my coworkers, somebody wrote wrote an article about her. It was called The Training Kisneric You Didn't Know. And so they kind of outlined her her I don't want to say battle, but her experience with mental health and and stuff like that, and that just just the fact that she, yeah, she's in the public eye, but um, not everything's perfect. I mean, she was on MLB Network, NFL Network before she went to uh, CSN, so it's not like she was just kind of in the background either. So this week, I got a chance to kind of sit down with Trini and. Talk to her about, uh, first of all, catch up, because we haven't talked to each other in a few years, and we talk about mental health kind of being in the public eye and an opinionated person who is passionate about mental health, and one of the big questions I wanted to ask her was how did she get started, um, why did she open up about it, and what's it like dealing with uh, trolls on social media? when you're in a public eye and you have this, you, you, you have a documented history with anxiety and depression. So without further ado, here's, here's a, here's our little chat. Hi, I'm here with uh, Trini Kuznarek of NBC Sports Boston. Trini, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Danny. How are you? I'm excellent. So, as I've written about a couple of times, I could not think of a better person to have on my first episode than you because you are my mental health role model. Seeing you kind of open up about everything in 2012 helped me open up to my family, to my friends, to my, to my, uh, to everybody and that kind of has gotten the ball rolling and now I'm here where, I, where we are today. So I kind of wanted to ask you, who was your inspiration to kind of open up or who or what?
1: Um, I guess my inspiration to open up originally um, was someone I, I didn't know personally, but obviously when I worked together um, was Junior Seau. Um, so I made the decision to finally talk about what I went through in 2012, as you noted. Um, and I made that decision. It's funny how like there are certain moments in life that like will always stand out. And like, you can remember like weird details about it. Um, so I remember I was in the Miller Park press box, say that five times fast, (laughs) um, in May of 2012, uh, covering a brewers game, working in Milwaukee. Um, when I got the alert, um well you know ESPN or over Twitter or something that Junior Seau had died by suicide um I you know I think I'd interviewed him like one or two times like in a scrum situation maybe I mean I might even be making that up in my head but like he was a big enough player football player one that like I for whatever reason that suicide hit me really hard Because it was like this, you know, you always remember Junior as like this smiling, happy go lucky guy who played on all these different teams and just was like this joy to be around, or at least appeared like it was, he was this joy to be around. And it just really shook me. Um, And at the time, it just so happened that it coincided with I was in the process of lining up interviews with my friends and family for a local writer in Milwaukee who had reached out to me and was like, hey, I wanna do a feature story on you for Milwaukee Magazine, which is like the equivalent of Boston Magazine out here. Um, You know, I wanna do the story about how like, you're a little different than most female sports reporters. Like you took some time off and you went to India and you climb mountains and you're really politically active and you're not afraid to like take political stances. And I wanna see like where that activism came from and like learn more about you as a person. Um, so he was going to interview like my mom, my dad, my friends from school. And I just emailed Howie and I said, you know, there's something else I want to talk about. And I don't know how you feel about this, but you know, I've really struggled with anxiety and depression for a long time. And I'm so tired of seeing people die by suicide. Like maybe if we talked about it more, maybe so many people wouldn't die. Um, and then he wrote the article on me and that's kind of like where my activism and advocacy for that took off.
0: Well, I mean, it was, it was interesting because I was, when I was thinking about getting this all together. I also remembered we were both in the newsroom at CSN NBC. Now, um, when Robin Williams, the when that news came down, I if I remember correctly, it was very very similar time timing, and that was difficult because he was such just a a boisterous personality, and you never would have expected anything like that. And I just remember we we were kind of chatting about it, and 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 it was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think anytime people that you only see in a two dimensional manner, right? So you only see what they provide to you via interviews or movies, you know, when they're on, right? Um, it's It makes it that much more difficult to understand how they could be suffering so much inside, but that's like the crux of mental health, right? Like so many people who suffer from anxiety and depression or bipolar or borderline personality disorder, like anything that someone, you know, Is struggling with behind the scenes. If I don't care if you're Robin Williams, like super famous and rich, or if you're you or me, you know, and you're kind of behind the scenes and people don't see you um, you know, as like the as a front-facing person. I think everybody, no matter where you are in your life, you learn how to wear a mask and you learn how to push everything down and not tell anyone because no one wants to be that person right no one wants to be the person when someone says and people are always saying like oh you should really tell people how you are like someone asks you at the office how you're doing like you should tell them and I'm like Yeah. I don't know that I want to tell like Joe from sales, by the way, I don't think we have a Joe in sales. So that's why I'm using that name. Like I don't want to like Joe in sales, like in the, you know, as I'm walking through like our new building and like try not in today. Maybe I'm like, well, Joe, actually I didn't sleep well last night because I'm just feeling anxious and I don't know where that anxiety is coming from. Maybe it's the fact that my brother is getting over COVID-19 or maybe it's the fact that, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable going indoors to a restaurant yet I want like all these things. Like the person would look at you like, like you were crazy, which is how no one wants to see you. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, like, I think a lot of us go nod and say, Oh, I'm great, Joe. How are you? You're I'm right. I'm okay, Joe, how are you? And I think sometimes what gets lost in those messages of like, to be honest with people, how you're feeling, like, I think that's more so like, with someone you trust, like, I don't think that we should be dumping all of our things on like, show from
0: sales <laughs> right well it's funny I, I started doing something when I was working breakfast at, a, at the nursing home and it was um, when somebody said how, like instead of saying good morning I would just say morning if I was a, a little off that day so people kind of knew it was kind of like a secret code yeah. I, I would just say morning and then they kind of knew okay something something's not right but it just just like a little code um, so in your profession in my profession Social media is huge. Um, it can be a very toxic place. What's it like dealing with people just coming at you all the time? And 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 like you're like you said, you're very opinionated in politics and everything. You're very out, outspoken about mental health. What's it like when people are coming at you? What do you do to kind of um, control that?
1: So it took a long time. Like I'm not, you know, I think it's it's the hardest thing for people, whether you have mental health issues or not, like when someone starts attacking you, who's never met you before, you can't help but personalize some of those things and start to wonder, gosh, am I really like that? Is that really how people see me? Um, So it's taken me some time, but I've just learned to um, literally block them out. Like I used to not block people on social media because I thought that shows that I'm weak and I can't handle it. And that lets them win. And And then as I just, like, as, as I ca- kind of got deeper and deeper into doing, um, you know, when I was doing Morning Radio, WEI, which was, a, you know, a pretty charged environment. Like, right. we definitely, you know, had a lot of political differences um, and would, you know, get into to fights on the air and off air, it was always fine. But, you know, it's not like Kirk and Jerry could ever stop people from then attacking me online. Like, it's not their fault that they did it. I engaged in the conversation, um, but it's one thing when someone says something to you and you can, you can hear their t- tone of their voice and you can see their face. And then when that red light goes off, you can say, Hey, sorry, I didn't mean to attack you like that, but that was good rate. You know, we, we had it's different on air than it was what you would get from callers or emailers or, or, you know, people on Twitter. And it just got to a point where I was like, you know what, if you don't have the guts to put your face in your name to what you're saying then i'm sorry but your opinion doesn't matter to me i have now i'd have to look at my twitter but i bet i'm up to like 1200 people blocked
0: you you Um, have more people blocked than i have followers
1: i I just i you know what Danny? i just i also have it so like my mentions are super filtered yeah where i only see mentions from people i follow now when i write something on um write something on Twitter. If I don't want, if if I don't really, if if you got honest if I don't care what your opinion is about my opinion, I just also, again, I filter the responses. Like now there's a, there's a, there's a, um, uh, filter you can put on your tweets. You can say everyone can respond. Only people I follow only people who are mentioned. So I'll even limit that. Like, I'm sorry, but quite frankly, your opinion doesn't matter to me if it's going to be an attack like if you want to have a like someone today reached out to me on instagram who i've messaged with before and they didn't agree with me um, and a lot of other people that kamala harris last night um that it was wrong for uh, vice president pence to interrupt her so many times you know he said you know i think you're wrong about this and um you know martha raddatz on abc said that in a vice presidential debate there's going to be interruptions and she doesn't think it's mansplaining and she thinks it's gone too far which in a sense is a little bit of mansplaining right but this person i've interacted with him before and he wasn't rude he wasn't attacking and i just said hey agree to disagree you know i said martha having her opinion and me having mine that's true equality like just because one woman feels one way i can still feel differently and we can both be right in our own way um and that was it and he was like hey thanks for having a civil discourse like not afraid to engage someone who thinks differently or or respond to it but i am not going to respond to someone who calls me the b word or the c word or is like somebody last week you know messages me and it's just like the outline of a person on instagram and they're like your liberal socialist um leanings are turning off 95 percent of all sports fans and (laughs) Hillary's a murderer, and you're an ignorant witch. Like,
0: stick to sports, tranny. Stick to sports. I'm not
1: gonna respond to that. I just blocked the guy. Like, I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction. Like, you have no name on your account. You have no profile picture on your account. You don't sign it. Like, you just attack me. Like, hey, go yell into the wind. Like, that's like that, like meme, like of the old man from The Simpsons, like with the cloud. Like, old man yelling at cloud. (laughs) Old man, go yell at the cloud because that's not civil productive discourse and I'm not going to engage in it. But by doing that, I, there's a lot that I don't see. Like I have Abby chin, who I know you're familiar with said the other week, to me, she's like, I don't know how you handle all the people who attack you on Twitter. And I said, I don't see them like, and it's, that's not me being glib. Like, Oh, I'm just so Zen and above it. Like I just see through it. No, I literally don't see it because I have everything filtered so that I don't see that stuff. And maybe, you know what, maybe that's not great vivacious, but it's, it's not like I'm hiding. It's not like I don't, I'm trying to pretend like everyone likes me and everyone agrees with me. I know people don't, I just can't worry about that. Like in order to do my job well, I can't worry about that. And as long as my employer has my back and my family loves me and my friends love me and I'm being respectful to people and I'm not tearing someone else down in order to build my point up, then I can go to bed at night feeling good about, you know, the day that I've had.
0: Um, so block people, use the block button liberally. I I I personally like the mute button because it also doesn't give them give them the satisfaction that you block them.
1: Yeah, the only thing I don't like about that, and the reason I went I the reason I go so far most of the time of blocking is that you can still then co-opt my stuff and twist it yeah. and make it your own. And that's the other thing like I don't like. Like I suppose they could still somehow find it, maybe and screen grab it. Like there are always there are always ways around the filters, right? Like you can mm-hmm. log into a private window because my account is public, and find a way to screen grab it and then put it up on yours. But you have to go through so many steps to be a jerk. Like if you're willing to go that far, have yeah. at it, buddy. Um, you <laughs> you're know?
0: really like, a jerk if you if like. You right. Back.
1: Like you're like that's like if, if that's what you want to do with your whole afternoon, go ahead. Um, But that's why I don't mute people because they still have access. And like, I'm sorry, but if you can't be a decent, kind human being and disagree with someone without turning to personal attacks, then I'm sorry, but you don't you do not deserve to, it's it's like social media is a privilege. It's not a right.
0: Right. Um, So it's, I always, whenever I talk to people about my career and my career path and whatnot, I always talk to them about like, the stressful moments like when um, when the Seattle Seahawks turn the ball over at the one yard line and there's always stuff like that that I bring up and it's like how did you handle that when you haven't have anxiety and, and stuff like that and I always say to them like I don't know what it is but in my career I stay so calm cool collected I can I can stay right in line but in in real life if somebody takes me off that line, if, if someone takes me out of my routine, forget it. Like I'm all frazzled. So like when, when my wife, Sarah and I are putting together plans, it's like, all right, are we going to do this plan or are we going to go from there? Cause she knows that I'm going to freak out if, if it doesn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No routine is like super, like I laugh all the time. Like for me, routine is really important. When I get out of routine, like I notice. Um, that I get angry more quickly or like, I mean, all you have to do just the other week, I think it was last week, Thursday, so a week ago um, one of our producers texted and said, Hey, we have to tape something at three 30. And I was so mad. Like I was all ready to go. It didn't matter. I had done like updates in the afternoon. Like it did nothing. The only thing it did for my day was it was last Friday. I had had coffee plans with a young woman who wanted to talk about like career stuff and whatnot. And I, and she lives close. So I just had to reschedule. So like, that was like a little irritating, but I was like so irritated that like my day changed on a dime. And then I was like, you're being ridiculous. Like, this is, the industry we work in but I'm like you when I'm on camera like people always ask me like if you're having a bad day or like how do you get on camera and I'm like it's sort of like I always use Zach Granke as my example Zach Granke of course Major League Baseball pitcher but I shouldn't say of course not everyone listening to this is probably a big baseball fan Zach Granke is a longtime pitcher in Major League Baseball it came out like well over like a decade ago uh, while he was pitching a young pitcher with Kansas City, he actually had to leave the team for social anxiety. And he, one of his biggest anxiety induce, uh, inducing moments was having to speak to the media on a consistent basis. So, Kansas City, and then subsequently when he was in Milwaukee, allowed him to only, I think he only spoke after games. And there were people who took real issue with that, like, oh, you should just be able to do it and you get out and pitch and have no problem and you're a good pitcher. But he always explained it as that's a moment of focus. That's a place for my brain to be where it is not darting off into 18 other different places. Mm -hmm. And all of us have that, like we all have that moment. And for me, when that light goes on and that camera goes on, like my brain just switches into that mode. But if I'm out with my friends and all of a sudden things rapidly change, like if things go absolutely bonkers behind the scenes on a television show, I can roll with it. Like right. if we lose live shots or my prompter goes down, I mean, it was prompter that much anymore, but you know what I mean? Like technical issues, you just roll with it and you go. Right. If like the equivalent of that happens in my private life. I can be a mess and like a monster to deal with. But I just think that they're like different things. and I think all of our anxieties stem from different places. And so, you know, if your anxieties are, it sounds like you and I have like similar anxieties of like, fear of things and loss of control and like anxieties about the unknown like those are personal things i know i can control what happens when i'm on tv and at work because i know that i can handle it right but i don't know how anyone else's like personal reaction to me is going to change away from work so i think that's why i don't know if that's a great way of like explaining to people why there's such a difference but i think that like is a i think the inability to control other people and how they react to you um, is where a lot of people's
0: anxieties are. What it's rooted in. Right. So it's two two thousand twenty, and uh, we can't go without talking about the pandemic. So what was <laughs> what was it like for you, kind of going through all the craziness? Because for me, I was I was working like a madman and trying to figure out like furloughs and kids school and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, so I, I mean, I have to admit for me, it wasn't probably as stressful as it was for a lot of people. And a lot, a lot of my friends were surprised. Like, I can't believe you're not more stressed out about this. Yeah. Like, I can't believe you're not, you know, like freaking out about somebody getting sick. And I was like, but I can control my behavior, right? Like, again, like my anxieties come from, I'm far more anxious if I text a friend and I don't hear back from them for a long time, that makes me anxious. Like, did I do something wrong? Did I hurt someone's feelings? Does that person not want to like, my anxieties are rooted in feeling like my self-worth. Right. So for pandemic, I just felt like, okay, I have all these tools in place that I use for all this other stuff. Like now's the time for me to sharpen those skills. Like I would get up every morning and I would go for a walk and meditate. And then I would go run. Like I found, some peace, actually, in being able to slow down and not go into the office. But that comes with a huge asterisk of I didn't lose my job. I was never furloughed, you know, until right now. my My brother recently contracted COVID, and he's doing okay. He's had some like lingering effects, but for the most part, he's doing okay. Like other than that, I didn't have any family members who got sick. Like no one close to me was near death or or got you know, God forbid, died. Right. So I don't have children, so I wasn't worried about like how do I balance work and how do I balance like taking care of the kids? Like for me, it really wasn't. And I almost feel bad saying that. Like, I almost feel bad being like, I don't know, it really wasn't that bad for me. Like, but it really wasn't that bad for me. Um, more of my anxieties came from like worrying about my friends and my, you know, like people who were on the verge of losing a job or, you know, struggling to make their, their, you know, their business work or ends meet. Um, and feeling guilty about not having those same issues to deal with. And the only time I ever got like anxious about myself was we would get like an email from NBC like we have an all staff meeting tomorrow. Like then I would have a hard time sleeping because I'd be like, is this it? Right. Is this then? Is this tomorrow? Is tomorrow the meeting where they tell us we're shutting down operations? There aren't any sports. This isn't working anymore. Everybody's contracts are null and void. Like I, that was what I, what always scared me is you know if I lose my job, like what happens? But I've been really lucky to not have that happen. Um, and so I, I feel like it hasn't been as stressful of a time for me as it has been for other people.
0: So- um, It feels terrible to say out loud. I <laughs> yeah, no. well, I mean, it's, it kind of varies. Cause like, I I always, I've been saying that I've, I've been lucky to have that job, to have that consistency. So. Um, yeah. It takes away a ton of stress, right? Like if you know that you
1: have a paycheck coming and you know, you can stay in your house and you can, you know, you might have to work from home and there may be other stressors. Right. But it's like having a, a home, over a roof over your head and a steady paycheck and being able to put food on your table at the end of the day. Like I hope for those of us who have experienced that um, we don't take it for granted again. Um, and I also hope people who have been fortunate enough to not lose their job or have to take like a massive pay cut I think almost all of us had to take some kind of pay cut um you know that we're giving back to those people who weren't as lucky um you know obviously within reason because we're all worried about what happens you know if things change again but I do hope that people who have the means
0: are generous towards the people who don't so you you are a veteran of the business now how does that feel and um what, what advice do you have for someone who wants to be in front of camera, who wants to be in that business that may have anxiety and may not be um, 100% comfortable there yet? Because that's why I went, wound up in behind the scenes, because I was like, I cannot handle being in front of a camera in, or in front of a microphone.
1: I mean, I will say this. I think being in front of the camera is something that comes naturally to, to people who are going to do it and be good at it. Um, I think it comes somewhat naturally. Like, I-, I think if you're, if it makes you so anxious to get in front of a camera, maybe it's not the right place for you to be and that's okay. Like I think a lot of people because you only see the people that are on camera, you don't see the dozens of people behind the scenes who are, you know, writing our teases, um doing uh, the you know the research and stuff for our, all of our stats and our like the full screens that come up or the director or the audio per- like people are always amazed when they come to a newsroom and be like wow all of these people work on a show like at one point when we were doing taped zoom shows we would all be on one zoom meeting and you could see on the bottom how many participants there were and somebody that i'm friends with is like like how many people does it take to do a show is like, like four of you it was like no there's like 12 of us and that doesn't even include editors who aren't on and they're like really so I think like honestly if something makes you uncomfortable don't force yourself to do it. I mean that's if it makes you so uncomfortable that the experience is never pleasurable don't force yourself to do it If you're just nervous about it and you're not sure if you can try it because you might find that hey I'm actually pretty good at this or I actually like it and it's not as scary as I thought it was going to be but like if after the second third fourth time you step in front of that camera during that internship and you are a nervous wreck like cool talk to that when you go back to your internship be like hey you know Chris main anchor at you know local tv station I don't think I want to be on tv do you mind if I talk to Sabrina I don't know where I'm coming up with these names today.
0: I'm, I'm impressed by your ability to just come but, up with some names.
1: You know, the lead producer or the executive producer, because your skill set, you know, might be more tailored towards that than it is to being on air. You can't. There's only so many jobs to go around on air, but there are tons of jobs behind the scenes. So like, I, I just think like, if it's so terrible and so like anxiety inducing, it's probably not right for you. Cause it will show, like I worked with a girl who was always uncomfortable on camera, always. Like it was, honestly, I loved her to death. She was the kindest person. She was so smart. She was such a good writer. But every time she was on it, it was painful to watch. Cause you could just see like, nothing was really clicking like the head and the mouth was never, ever coming together. Like really? after nine months we worked together and you know what? she ended up going into like marketing and PR and she's has, had a wonderful career and she's really good at that. Like it's not for everybody,
0: well, Trenny, it's always great to talk to you, especially about mental health and um, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, on. This was so quick and easy
0: Well, there you have it. That's my interview for this week. Thanks a ton to Trenny for coming on and talking with me. It was awesome. I had a great time. I'm getting a ton of experience doing podcasts, and I'm getting a lot more comfortable too. Definitely wasn't as anxious as I was last last uh, last podcast. So in closing, I just want to remind everybody that is is having a battle with mental illness that you're not alone. There's always help available. Um, And I always want to leave you with this. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can always call your doctor if you need help. Take care, everyone.